All right, guys, we are back. Episode 13 of this one's for you, and today I have a very special guest. Um, it is Dr., I get to say Dr., uh, Joe Rinaldi. He's a physical therapist. He's a Bear Performance Nutrition Ambassador. He's a performance coach in strength, endurance, and you do some mindset kind of stuff as well. And you also have a podcast yourself, The Pursuit Podcast. So great to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Um, you're a busy dude, so I really appreciate you finding some time to talk to me this morning. Of course, Pete. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. I'm always down to have a good conversation, so this should be fun. Yeah, I, I see actually right now. Are you rocking a BPN hat? I am BPN hat and a BPN shirt. Okay, I'm actually wearing one too. Ah, it's there it is. I, nice. I actually I like the new wave of stuff that he he just put out. It's some good quality stuff actually. I'm I'm a big fan. It's solid. It's solid. Yeah, me too. Well, listen, man. Um, I think we'll go ahead and get right into it. But um, obviously, with a background in physical therapy. Being a strength coach, fitness is very important to you. It's, that's pretty apparent. But I'm kind of curious how everything kind of came about. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did some a little bit of research on your blog, and I know that when you were in college, um, football, you wanted to be a football on the football mm -hmm. team. You were a walk-on. And then, you know, unfortunately, some things didn't quite work out in your favor, and that no longer uh, was an opportunity. So yes. I, I don't want to, like, answer the question for you, but my guess is that's kind of when this all started. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think to make the most sense of it, I have to rewind back to my childhood. And so when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with a condition called Best Disease. And so Best Disease is also known as early onset macular degeneration. And for everybody who's listening who has no idea what those words meant, basically I'm losing my sight, my eyesight, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm slowly going blind. And that was something that through childhood really affected me in a negative way. Um, not so much that it held me back. I was able to compensate and do things well and do well in school and play sports and, and whatnot. But more mentally, it held me back. But I went through childhood playing baseball, I had to give that up. I was getting hit in the face with too many baseballs. Um, I, I really shifted my focus to football, loved football, uh, played all throughout high school and then stopped playing after high school. I went to college. I went to Bucknell University out in Pennsylvania. They have a division one football team. Uh, I wasn't quite sure I wanted to be on the football team. So I actually pursued track first. Okay. I did track in high school. I, I pole vaulted, I threw javelin and I reached out to the track coach and the track coach in, in the nicest way possible basically told me, hey, listen, you're not good enough. So no. Uh, so I shifted my focus. I started knocking on doors, sending emails, making phone calls. And the football coach at Bucknell was gracious enough to give me a chance. And I walked onto the team and it was a great experience. Um, however, every time I was uh, making a tackle or hitting somebody, I was uh, losing like chunks of my eyesight, which was kind of scary. And uh, you know, I was stubborn enough where I wanted to keep playing and, yeah. and some doctors told me it probably was a good idea to stop. So I stopped and, uh, finished out college, went to graduate school where I met my wife. And, uh, that brings us to me here being a physical therapist and a performance coach. And to answer your question about fitness, it's an absolutely huge part of my life. And that all started really when I was young and I had to stop playing baseball and I needed another outlet for my energy. And I found that in the weight room. Right. No, that's awesome. I, I can relate to that too. I, I used to be a, an athlete in high school and things just didn't quite work out in college. Um, but for me, kind of similar, obviously not to the extent that, that you've experienced, but it's definitely a good way to kind of get rid of some of that energy. Mm. It's a good stress relief. And it really just kind of like I was talking to you before, it sets a good pace for your day and is just a, another way, I think, to help you be productive. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't want to get too deep into your, your um, condition that you were just describing. But if you were to just kind of give me an idea of like, obviously you, you can see some, right? Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. what, what is, what is that like for you? How much? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind talking about it at all. Um, it's, uh, it's something that's a big part of my life. And so my condition ebbs and flows, I have what I call episodes where I'll lose a chunk of my eyesight. And I can go and get these treatments. And so the treatments used to be laser surgeries. Now they're actually injections. So they'll inject a chemical into my eye. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's not, you know, I will say like, it sounds really brave and courageous. It's, it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, okay. Well, that's but, good. Right. So it, it ebbs and flows. And every time I lose some sight, it, I, I can stop it with these treatments from getting worse, but it never gets better. And so okay. um, I'm legally blind in my right eye. Uh, my left eye is 2030 or 2040, which for those of you guys who don't know, like perfect vision, quote unquote, is 2020. So it's not that far off. And together, my eyes can compensate pretty well. I can read, I can drive, I can do everything anybody else can do. It just takes me doing things a little bit differently uh, okay. for now. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I, I wasn't sure how, how extreme we were talking. So yeah. You're, it's going well. So the thing is that the hard part is that it's going down the path, right? I'm, I'm 26 okay. and I'm legally blind in one eye and the other eye is luckily pretty good right now. Um, but going down the path that I'm going, right, it's going toward being legally blind completely uh, when that will happen or if that will happen, I don't know. But that uncertainty has shaped my life and in a positive way, honestly, it's just given me a perspective that I think is really unique. And uh, I like to say what I've lost in vision, I've, I've oh, sorry, what I've lost in sight, I've gained in vision. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a cool thing. Absolutely. So does that just affect one eye then? Or is it is it both that? Yeah, it affects both eyes. Um, okay. But it, it doesn't obviously affect them evenly. Uh, so right. it's, it's affected my right more than my left. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you, I, like I said, I wasn't sure how, how extreme that this was. And I, yeah. I'm glad you still can, can see and do everything, you know, functionally and well, and, and yeah. that's, that's really good. Um, but being dealt this, obviously, you kind of have every reason to, you know, not be as positive as you are. And, mm. you know, the cards weren't necessarily stacked in your favor, but you found a way to have like a really good outlook on life, overwhelmingly positive, And it's pretty apparent in your blog. I mean, right off the bat, you're, you're very motivated and positive and just have a really great outlook on life. So how did that, was that always the case? Have you always been that way? I'm sure, you know, you kind of said before that it wasn't so easy in the, in the early days, but um, yeah. I'm just curious kind of like how that all came about. Yeah, I think I've always had a little bit of that in me. Um, you know, in high school, I started this club. It was called Life's Not Fair. And looking back, the, the branding of the club could have been better because just <laughs> like surface value, like people thought I was just complaining. Um, yeah. But the whole idea of the club was life's not fair, but it could always be worse. And so basically the idea of the club was to practice gratitude and to take action on that by helping other people who really, really had unfortunate circumstances. And so that was a good learning experience for me. Um, but really that perspective, that, that positivity <laughs> didn't fully take form until I was in graduate school. And so basically my entire life, I struggled with periods of anxiety and self-doubt and hopelessness. And I went through this really dark time my first year of graduate school. And it was unlike anything I had ever experienced before. And 
I would wake up in the morning and I just, no matter how much I willed myself or wanted to, I just couldn't feel positive. I just felt this heaviness and this darkness. And it was unlike anything else because whatever else I wanted to get better at, whether it was school or athletics or relationships, I could just put more effort into those things and they would get better. But this period of my life, which lasted about a, a year, no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't dig myself out of that hole that I was in. And so fast forward to the end of that dark season, I met this girl who became my wife. And I realized as I got to know her and as our relationship formed that the darkness that I had been experiencing was leading me to the point in my life that I was ready to meet this person. And so it was almost like an affirmation to me that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that at its core, that faith that everything's happening for me, not to me, is uh, is truly like the biggest positive driver of my outlook. And I just like, can't see it any other way. There's this amazing quote that I'm not a tattoo guy, but I'm really considering getting this tattoo. Um, it, sometimes when you're in a dark place, it feels like you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. And that is just, it absolutely describes my life up until this point. And every time I have a tough day, a tough week, a tough month, I just go back to that that concept and that truth that I know to be true, that everything is happening for a reason, even if it feels dark, I've been planted, not buried. That's, that's awesome, man. So this tattoo, <laughs> when do you get, when do you think you're going to get it? It's, it sounds oh. like it's more of a, not an if, but a when kind of thing. You know, I've been contemplating and getting tattooed for a while. If you're listening get to one the, though, I know, man, you have that's, to get two, three. Do you have, do you have tattoos? I don't, but okay. that's, it's kind of the same thing. Like for me, it's like, I'm, I'm not just going to go get one cause it looks cool. Like I have to have a reason to get one. Yeah. And I don't really have a reason yet, or I haven't really thought of anything that I want to put in ink yeah. on my yeah. skin forever. <laughs> but I, I know people that do. And like, yeah. once they get one, that's yeah. just, it's down there. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's just, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the hard part for me is I have an addictive personality. And mm -hmm. um, at one point in my life, that addiction was like social pressure and drinking. It shifted to athletics and fitness. That's where it is right now. And almost the extremes of that is where yeah. you can call it an addiction. But I know that if I got one tattoo, like you, you said, it would yeah. turn into a sleeve and like, there's nothing wrong with that. But my grandparents would have a heart attack. Yep. And uh, it's just something I need to wrap my head around first. Uh, so maybe give it a couple of years. <laughs> I hear you. So you talk about, I wasn't going to go uh, with this question, actually, but you brought up a, an interesting point. So for me, I'm at the stage right now where I'm still in college, right? Mm -hmm. And that whole social you know, aspect of, of my college life is still pretty important. And um, I actually listened to the first episode of your podcast mm. the other day just to kind of get a, a better idea of, of what you're all about. And um, you started off your first episode the same way I started mine. You were crying, somebody cracked a drink, right? Mm -hmm. And said, hey, like, what are you drinking? And um, you were drinking, I think, what was it, like an athletic brew? I think yeah, that, is that the company? Yeah, non-athletic beer. Yeah, athletic yep. brewing. And um, so we did something similar, but we did it with actual beer, <laughs> right? And um, like I said, for me, that's still like a very important part of my life. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. Even in a fitness capacity, it really just depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're not in a situation where you're abusing it, obviously, um, you know, kind of everything in moderation. And yeah. um, I'm just curious for you, you say, you know, you had a, you have an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. When did you kind of cut that out of your life? And did you find that it was, you know, 
holding you back or was it was it becoming a, a problem for you at any point? Yeah, it's a really interesting point. Thank you for listening to the podcast, by the way. I yeah, am absolutely. flattered. Um, yeah, so I, to set the stage, right, through high school, I drank. Um, I've actually never had a legal drink. So I drank all throughout high school. I partied. I was the kid that everybody was friends with. I was, if you want to call it in the popular crowd, I was in the popular crowd. And um, my identity was wrapped up in that, was being liked by other people and doing what other people expected of me. And mm. with the high school that I went to, the expectation was that you would go to parties, you were on the sports team, you had friends, you'd drink, yeah. whatever. And so I did that all throughout high school. And I didn't think it was a problem. And it really wasn't, right? I, I got great grades. I had great relationships. It wasn't holding me back in any area of my life. Then I went to college. And that first semester of college, just being in a new environment um, around other people who were drinking all the time and partying on the weekends and doing those things, I found myself wrapped up in that. And again, not a problem. I think I, I have no issue with drinking. I think everything in moderation, right, is fine. Right. But for me, I realized after the first semester that it was never one drink. It was never two drinks. I don't think I've ever had one or two beers ever. It was yeah. either nothing or it was one turned into 10, 12, 15, yeah. me blacked out on a lawn, throwing up in bushes. Um, and, and the turning point for me was I woke up one night at the end of my first semester of college choking on vomit because I was so drunk. I was, I was gasping for air covered in my own vomit on a bunk bed with my roommate below me. And that was the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And, um, and so I made the decision January 16th, uh, 2013 to stop drinking. And now I wouldn't wow. say that I was actually addicted or that I, I was controlled by it, but it was a conscious decision I made. And so from that moment on, two very interesting things happened. One was I poured myself into academics and the gym. Those were the two places I found myself all the time, the library and the gym. I was the kid on Friday night at the gym from eight until midnight. I was the only one there. I was best friends with the janitor. Like Friday, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday night. Um, and that's wow. where that's where I lived. And so the one interesting thing that happened was that I developed this crazy, crazy work ethic because I had this mindset where, okay, everybody else is out partying. I'm going to get ahead in academics and health, and I am just going to push the limits and I'm going to work while other people are partying, work while other people are sleeping. And I am just going to go the extra mile and do what other people aren't willing to do. So yeah. I used it almost as a chip on my shoulder to work harder. And yeah. that work ethic sticks with me to today, which I'm really grateful for. Um, the flip side of that, the other thing that happened was that I really distanced myself from the people around me. And I wouldn't necessarily say that was a positive thing. I think there were probably more productive ways I could have went about it. But essentially, I just distanced myself from all those people that I was once around in that drinking environment. Yeah. Instead of trying to keep and maintain relationships, I just totally avoided that. And uh, it was a lonely place for me. But it was also, like I said, a place where I developed a lot of work ethic, self-discipline and willpower. So I'm grateful for that time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I could have done that, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's like you said, I, that takes a lot to be mm -hmm. able to do that with all the social pressure of that's just it's like a part of college. Like that's mm -hmm. just what people do. Right. And to be able to especially being being in the gym on the weekends, 
you know, being the last person there. I think I've been the last person in the gym maybe once Mm -hmm. and um, wasn't on a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So I I still find a way to to sometimes get in there and do a a hungover workout. Uh, They suck, but um, at least I'm there, right? (laughs) But um, no, that's, that's awesome, man, for sure. So the other thing I want to talk to you about is BPN. Mm-hmm. So you are a, or well, for those that aren't familiar with BPN, Bear Performance Nutrition, um, probably one of the best supplement companies in the game. I, I would say that um, pretty confidently. I, um, I'm not, when, when did you kind of get familiar with Nick and, and some of the stuff that he's doing? Yeah, I've been following Nick via his YouTube channel. I'm from the beginning. I don't know, five, oh, like, six years, like way back when he was in the army military. and he was making okay. videos. Yeah. Um, so I've been following him since then, and it's been cool to watch his journey and his transformation. Absolutely. Uh, and I've been using their products for a while now, a couple of years now too. And um, even the products have evolved to a point yeah. where I would agree. I'm, I'm biased, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we both are, but um, they're they're the best out there in my opinion. Yeah. So how did that, how did that come about? Because I know, you know, back when you were following them, they weren't, they didn't have like athletes, they didn't have ambassadors. Mm-hmm. And even when I started watching probably, I don't know, three or four years ago mm-hmm. when I started college, um, that, that wasn't a thing. And I know fairly recently, just kind of like keeping up with them on Instagram and stuff that they, they've rolled out maybe two or three waves of trying to get people on board and, and help grow the brand more and more. So how did you get involved with that? Yeah. So I, I, um, I guess my interest in that first started about a year ago when I saw the first wave of applications come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and honestly, the reason I wanted to be associated with the company was really to be part of a team of people yeah. who were like-minded and driven and cared about helping other people. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I followed through, I applied, and I actually didn't even hear back after the first time I applied. And so a little disappointed, but not discouraged. And so then the second round of applications came out a few months later and I applied and, you know, got a call to have an interview and, you know, just told my story and and kind of a lot of what we talked about. And so Bear Performance Nutrition, um, founded by Nick Bear, his whole, his big motto is go one more. Like if there's a mantra that you can tag with him, it's go one more. And it's like, go one more means doing the, doing the next, like, so going above and beyond, if you're running one mile and it hurts, go another. Mm-hmm. If you're studying for one hour and everybody else is giving up, study for one more hour, just go one more and just go the extra mile. And so right. um, that's really what resonated with me. And, you know, my story, I go above and beyond maybe because I have a little bit of a disadvantage because of my eyesight, but it's become part of who I am. And there's this quote and I'll butcher it because it's kind of long, but you know, the extra mile is a lonely place because most people who go there look around and they don't see anybody else. And they think, wait, wait, this is, this is lonely. Why am I here? And they turn around never to go back to the extra mile. And that's the reason the extra mile is a lonely place, but it's a place filled with opportunities. And so by going one more, I feel like it just opens up this world of opportunity and possibility. And and not only that, it just builds incredible character to be able to get to the point in your life, whether it's fitness or academics or relationships where you just want to stop putting in effort. You just want to quit. You want to take the easy way out and you talk to yourself and you say, no, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do a little bit better. And that becomes part of who you are. Um, and I, and I love that. Yeah, that's a great quote. Absolutely. So what, um, what, what exactly do you do for, for BPN? Is it just kind of like a, you help market essentially for, for the company? Is that how it works? 
Yeah. So, um, so let me, so the, the, biggest benefit that I get out of being an ambassador for Bear Performance Nutrition is being part of their team and their network. And so we have weekly ambassador phone calls every oh, Sunday awesome. night. It's all, yeah, it's incredible. And so I'm not sure the exact number, but it might be less than a hundred, but it's mm -hmm. over 50 ambassadors. So maybe like cool. 80 or 90. And we hop on a Zoom call led by, uh, his name's Daniel. He's in charge of the program. And we talk about maybe one week it's goal setting, maybe the next week it's um, building your social media platform or whatever it is. And you're just surrounded by these like-minded individuals who help build you up and encourage you. And it's an amazing way to network with like-minded people. So that for me is honestly the biggest benefit. Um, I don't get any supplements for free. I don't, I actually don't even get a discount. You know, when people use my discount code, I get a small kickback of the percentage, but okay. honestly, like that is not the reason I do this at all. It's nice. Sure. But it's not the reason. Um, I just believe in the company and it's, it's nice to be surrounded by like-minded people. Absolutely. I, uh, from now on when I, when I do, <laughs> so I'm going to use your code, help you out for sure. I appreciate it. It's uh, Dr. Joe. If you're listening, not that I care, take it or leave it. <laughs> okay. Dr. Joe. E-R-J-O. Yeah. I got a few buddies that uh, I've kind of brought onto the company too. And, and they're, they're big fans that, especially uh, the protein powder. Some of the oh, best, best. It is the best. Flavored, best tasting. The cinnamon roll. That stuff yeah. is wild. Cinnamon roll is good. I, I'm not in general, like outside of protein powder. Cinnamon's not my thing. It's good. I'll give you that. Blueberry muffin is okay. out of this world. If you I actually tried. just got one of those. I haven't nice. tried it yet. Nice. So I'm look. I gotta. I gotta try that then. Yeah, man. What's your What's your favorite supplement that's uh, that they have? Um, Endo pump by far. So so the three or I'd say four main supplements that I take on a daily basis are the strong reds, the strong greens, the creatine, yeah. and then Endo pump for my workouts. Endo pump. It. Do you take Endo pump? I've only taken it once before. Honestly, for me, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't, yeah. it didn't do much for me. I, yeah. I, so I, I hear mixed things and I've heard it not only with that product, but just other like nitric oxide or pump products yeah. in general. Some people, maybe it's genetic. I have no idea. Uh, for me, I just feel full and strong and yeah. I love how it makes me feel, but their flight pre-workout is also really, really good. If you're looking for a little bit of a boost before workout. What do you think of the greens and the and the reds? That's one product I haven't tried as well. And that one, yeah. well, greens is like their number one product, I think, right? Yeah, I would highly recommend both of them. I take them together. And after you take them for a couple of weeks, you just start to notice. It's this like gradual shift. And at one point you just notice like, hey, I have more energy. Um, like I'm digesting foods better. I don't feel as bloated. Um, and for greens powder, because honestly, I've tried many greens powders and they all, oh, they're They're so terrible. bad. This, this is by far hands down the best greens and reds powder you've ever tasted. Um, I use the lemon flavor for the, uh, for the greens and the strawberry is the flavor for the reds and okay. they're, they're awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to have to try those then. Yeah. Cause, cause that sounds like it's definitely a very good staple yeah. regardless of what kind of way you're training. Like it doesn't matter. That's just going to help you day to day. Yeah. Health, digestion, immune function, energy levels. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely. So we'll kind of shift gears a little bit here. So obviously, uh, you're pretty well versed in, in the fitness world. Uh, you actually have credentials. I don't. Um, <laughs> so I think talking to somebody that, uh, you know, has a background in this and went to school for related things, um, mm -hmm. will be a lot better than me just trying to tell people, you know, how to how to improve their, their fitness game. So sure. I think, um, 
you know, with the new year, there's obviously a lot of people that are, are resolutioners and are, are trying to, you know, set some sort of goal in the gym, maybe lose some weight, um, establish some sort of routine. What do you, what would you say is um, probably your best piece of advice for somebody that's trying to get in shape this year? Obviously, we're still kind of dealing with the pandemic, so that makes things a little difficult. But what would you say is your, your go-to piece of advice? Yeah, it's, it's advice that people probably won't like hearing. Um, it's simple. You've heard it before. It is by far the most effective piece of advice. You got to find something that's manageable and meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be consistent with it. Yeah. It's honestly, it's like brushing your teeth. If you, so if you go to the gym for six hours, one day and work out as hard as you possibly can, you go home and look in the mirror and you don't look any different. Right. If you brush your teeth as hard as you possibly can for six hours, one day, you're not going to notice any difference. But if you don't brush your teeth for six months, for a year, for two years, your teeth are going to fall out. The same thing happens with exercise. So it's not about brushing your teeth as hard as you can for six hours. It's about doing it for a minute twice a day. If you can find a workout or a form of exercise, even if it's just walking, just something, and you do it on a consistent basis, that's what's going to make the difference. And honestly, I think too often people wait for inspiration and they think that they need to feel inspired to take action. I would argue that the opposite is more true, that when you take action, you end up feeling inspired. So honestly, Nike hit the nail on the head. Just do it um, and be consistent. That's it. That's a great piece of advice. Now, for people that come up short with these resolutions. Um, it happens every year. There's a wave for probably mm-hmm. the first two and a half to three months, I would say, in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then March, you know, mid-March comes around and those people start to kind of drop like flies. Yeah. Um, what's, um, what, why do you think this is? Do you think that's kind of part of what you're just saying? You know, people set unrealistic expectations. Yeah, you know what? I think, um, you know, I think it comes down with any goal to, to your priorities and your drive behind the goal. If you set a goal with a weak underlying reason for the goal or a why or drive, if it's not strong, your goal is not going to stick. Your action's not going to stick. And so you really need to understand before you set a goal, what your priorities are and be clear on who you are as a person and where you want to go. And so, for example, say you, you, um, you're, you're a salesperson, you do sales in the business world or whatever it is. And fitness doesn't seem to be related to your business goals, right? Mm -hmm. If you just set a goal, like, Hey, I want to be healthier because my friends are doing it and I'll look better for Instagram posts or whatever it is. That's a shallow driving reason for why you're doing something. But if you could understand, Hey, as a person, I'm really clear on the fact that I want to be the best possible business salesman that I pot or woman that I possibly can. And being in better physical health condition will give me more mental clarity. I'll feel more confident about myself and I'll be able to do my job better and progress in my career. If there's a stronger link between something you really want and the action or the goal that you need to take, um, that's going to stick a lot more than something that is just shallow or superficial. Okay, absolutely. So from a nutritional standpoint, um, I feel like this is where I've kind of like had people ask me stuff. And again, Mm -hmm. like I'm not certified in anything. I don't have uh, an education in this. A lot of it's just time I put in myself Yeah. um, from just, you know, watching YouTube videos, like reading up on this kind of stuff because it's interesting to me and I enjoy it. But um, again, from a nutritional standpoint, I find that that's where people have the hardest time. Um, 
you know, trying to get rid of some of those junk foods that they, they just reach for and, and they're always there. Um, what would you say is a good starting point for somebody that's really struggling with the diet side of things? Because again, that's, I would argue that's, if not equally as important, probably more important than actually getting the exercise in. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so I should be clear that so my degree, my undergrad degree is in exercise science and kinesiology, my graduate, my doctorate degree is in physical therapy, I don't have formal training in nutrition. But in terms of the habit around uh, good nutrition and mm -hmm. kind of setting yourself up for success, honestly, I would say two things for people who are struggling with that area is to one, be accountable to somebody, have somebody that you can check in with or that they can check in with you about how you're doing. I think one of the hardest things in the world is to set a goal and not tell anybody about it and just keep yourself accountable to it. Because if nobody else knows about it and you fall short, there's no consequence. So yeah. if your goal is to lose weight, if your goal is to eat better, whatever it is, tell someone about it and ask that person to help you by checking in with you, or at least asking them like, Hey, can I tell you how I'm doing every once in a while? So you have that external accountability. The second part is set yourself up for success. If you're at the grocery store and you know that if you have a sleeve, a pack of Oreos in your house, that it'll be gone in two days, don't buy the Oreos, yeah. right? Like the easiest way to avoid a temptation is to not have it there in the first place. Exactly. So you got to set yourself up for success and be really clear with that when you go grocery shopping and when you're thinking about the types of foods in your house, make it easy for yourself to succeed. Like mm -hmm. if you know that eating more vegetables is something you want to do, get vegetables on Sunday, cut them all up, put them in an easy to find place, in a, a clear container that you can see them and you can just pick them right out. Cause the more steps you have to take to do something during the week when you're tired and you're busy, the less likely you are to choose the healthy option. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just kind of like, forget about it at that point. I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll just go with the easy thing and reach for the yep. Oreos like you talked yep. about. Now that takes quite a bit of discipline though. If you're somebody that's kind of grown accustomed to, you know, buying the Oreos every week or, or the ice cream or, or whatever it might be, that's, that's tough to just stop doing. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about building discipline, not only towards, you know, nutrition, just in general, just in your daily life? Because I feel like that's something that you've also kind of uh, maybe not mastered yet, but you're, you're mm -hmm. definitely a lot better at it than most people. I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't think it's something that anybody ever masters. Like I, I honestly think if anybody ever told you that they had a complete grip on self-discipline, I think they're lying. They're either lying to you or they're lying to themselves yeah. and they don't even know it. Um, but yeah, it's this never ending pursuit. And so for me, it really comes down and people ask me a lot about waking up early because that's that was what, what I was going to ask him too. What I'm known for, right? Like 4 a.m. is a pretty typical wake up time for me, even on the weekends. And so like waking up early, sometimes, you know, taking cold showers is another one for that me. That was the other thing I was going right? to bring up. Oh man, we can touch up. We could, I could talk about this all day. But those things are promises that I'm making to myself. And that when it gets to that point where the alarm goes off at four in the morning, or I step into the shower and the cold water is just the most unappealing thing in the world, it's that moment where it's me versus me. It's the easy way out versus the difficult road. It's the promise and commitment that I made to myself versus letting myself down. And I understand that at the end of the day, it's bigger than me. And that's what drives everything that I do. I realize that 
if I snooze the alarm or if I decide to take a warm shower, like the only person in that moment that I'm letting down is myself. However, how you do anything is how you do everything. And if taking the easy way out and making excuses and quitting becomes a habit, that not only affects you, one day that affects the other people in your life, your spouse, your children, your friends, your family. And so I am, I am really focused and dedicated on building solid habits, um, building willpower and discipline right now so that later on in my life when things get hard or when I have other people counting on me, I can come through for those people because I came through my from came through for myself day in and day out for years and years and years. So one other component of that too, um, you wake up early, right? Like mm-hmm. really early. And so that just makes me wonder what time are you going to bed? Because obviously sleep is a big part of the puzzle too. If you're trying to be, you know, get yourself in better shape, you have to be able to sleep so your body can recover or else, you know, you're doing all this work you're putting in, you're putting in for nothing. Cause that's really where all the results and the gains come from. So, so how much sleep are you getting? Yeah, this is something I've struggled with um, through the years. I think for a long time, I wasn't getting enough sleep and I was kind of in denial that I needed to get more. So on an ideal night, and I say ideal night because things almost never go as planned, I will be in bed by 7.45 or 8 o'clock, which again, right, it's super early. Most people are just getting started at that time. But at the end of the day, it's all about sacrifice. It's all about prioritizing and picking and choosing. And so I would rather get eight hours of sleep or close to it, get up early, do my reading, my writing, my journaling, checking in with people, self-improvement, self-growth. I'd rather do those things early in the morning than watch four hours of Netflix from eight to 12 and then sleep from 12 to eight. I'd rather do, you know, eight to four and get up at four and get going. Um, so yeah, on an ideal night, seven forty-five or eight, most nights I probably fall asleep around nine and wake up sometime around four, sometimes a little before or after. Okay. So, so you're getting seven to eight. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good amount of sleep. Actually. I, I was wondering like, if he goes to bed at like 10, this is <laughs> no. not sustainable. How are you doing this? And as busy as you are too, like you have to sleep. Yeah. Cause yeah, I know man. you're if- crazy busy, man. I'm, I'm pretty busy these days. If I'm up at 10 o'clock, something's wrong. Uh, if you, if you like, re- if I respond to your message or someone's message at like 10 or 11 at night, it means that uh, I'm having an off day because I'm usually yeah. fast asleep by then. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, uh, I'm trying to think what time he's, you responded to one of my messages on Instagram. I feel like it was kind of late. It, it might have been. There's one day. So speaking of having a lot on my plate, uh, there's one day a week right now where I wake up at four and I go to bed at 11. Um, and that's oh, mainly be, just because, uh, you know, I, I almost I just can't fit it all into a regular, quote unquote, regular work day. So I have yeah. to. Yeah. So do you have any exception to that? Is it seven days a week, more or less for the most point? Yeah. Um, Monday through Friday, definitely. I'm working between my regular job, my coaching, the writing, the podcast, et cetera. Yeah. I'm probably working 10 to 12 hours, if not sometimes more Monday through Friday. Um, Saturday, I will get up early, do things like this, do some mm-hmm. extra writing, client check-ins. So I'm probably working anywhere from four to six hours on Saturday. And then the Sundays are a little bit weird. If my wife, who's also a physical therapist, works on a Sunday, I will work like a 10-hour day at home while she's at work. If she's not working, I'll work maybe four hours in the morning and spend the rest of the day with her. Okay. It's it's a full-time job, yeah. That's quite the schedule you got. There's not a lot of room in there for you to kind of do random things. No. Speaking of that, though, 
Um, what what do you find you like to do as as far as like a hobby? Because it sounds like your your routine is very disciplined, and like I said, there's not necessarily a lot of room for you to make an exception or do something like kind of spontaneous. That's a really good question. I um, it's something I've talked about more recently because I've been thinking about it quite a bit is actually structuring in free time. So you're right. I'm super structured and disciplined. And some people might even call me rigid. I would call myself rigid at times. And that's come back to bite me in the butt. But um, I would say what I do in my free time, in addition to exercise and honestly reading and writing, which I really enjoy. And Mm -hmm. obviously like I am putting out content. So it's kind of work that I'm doing when I'm reading and writing spending time with my wife is really the time where I recharge the most and, and kind of have that unstructured free time, whether we're going for a hike, watching something on Netflix, uh, seeing family or friends. So yeah, I would say I could probably do a better job of relaxing, right? (laughs) If I could improve in one area of my life, it would be being more present in my free time because my brain is always going. Right. I feel like that's probably the only missing piece for you at this Mm -hmm. point, just based on my observation. Like, I don't know you that well, but still, like, if I had to think of like one thing, that would be it. And I don't know how you do it, though, honestly, man, because like your schedule is, like you said, so rigid. And I doubt that you want to like pull back in any of those areas. Yeah, that just doesn't seem like something you want to do. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a good observation. You're spot on. I mean, I grew up watching my dad commute two hours to work, work a 10 hour day, commute two hours home and then run his own part-time business on the side. Mm -hmm. And so I watched my dad do that my entire life. He time and time again, stopped me from quitting things, helped me realize the importance of commitment and discipline and work ethic. And I genuinely, truly appreciate that. And I admire my dad and his work ethic. But now that my dad is approaching retirement age, I can see in him how all of that work through the years has Mm -hmm. taken a toll on his health. And it's actually funny during the pandemic, he's been able to work from home. And because he doesn't have four hours of commuting every day, he's so much better rested. He's happier. He's healthier. Um, And so I have that tendency, again, that addictive personality Mm -hmm. to just work, 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 work. Um, and I think that's something I want to be really aware of going forward because I don't want to get to that point in my life where I've missed so much of my life because I've just been working. At the same time, I do enjoy all the work that I'm doing and especially the writing because I feel like I'm able to add value to other people's lives. It's very rewarding for me. And so it's that balance. Again, I, it's something that I think we're all looking to find and probably we never have it just right for too long because it's always changing, but uh, it's definitely something I'm pursuing. Absolutely. So for you personally, is there anything that you're training for as an individual? Because I know um, just kind of based on on what I've seen on your social and pages like that, um, it seems like you're a pretty um, well-rounded athlete, I guess. It doesn't really seem like you're training for one thing specifically. Is there anything? Um, That's a good question. I was. So last year, I trained for my first half Ironman. And so I went through almost all of the training. And then a few weeks before the race, I found out that it was canceled because of the pandemic. So I haven't done the half Ironman yet. That's something that's on the horizon for me. At the moment, I'm not training for anything. I really do enjoy a well-rounded mix of training. Um, So out of, so I'd say weightlifting, cycling and running are my three main 
areas, if you will, I really enjoy weightlifting the most, but mm -hmm. the endurance stuff has really picked up in terms of like how I really, really enjoy the, the cycling. I enjoy yeah. the running as well. The endurance stuff is different. Like you get a different high from lifting versus endurance. Yeah, I think absolutely. the lift, the lifting is like a feel good. You get that rush, your muscles are full, like you feel strong and that's yeah. a great feeling. But being on the bike for two hours, like going all out for the last 30 minutes or whatever it is, it's a different kind of struggle because you hit that mental spot yeah. where you just absolutely want to stop. I feel like it's, put, it's yeah. like a lot more of a mental war when you're doing the endurance yeah. kind of thing with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you do any endurance stuff yourself, Pete? Not anymore. I okay. um, So my real quick, my kind of background was um, yeah. in high school, I actually used to run cross country as well. And yeah. I was, so I'm, I'm six, two, pretty fairly tall. Ooh, yeah. And, um, I was 160 pounds in high school. So I was a twig, six, yeah. two, 160. Wow. And I never lifted until I got to college. And like I said, after sports were no longer kind of on my radar, I needed to find something to do. And I remember first going into the weight room, I was like very nervous and like very just like kind of anxious. Cause like, I didn't know what I was doing and there's yeah. all these you know, bigger dudes in there. Right. And, um, I just kind of stayed consistent and it was honestly one of my roommates who kind of had more experience with it and he just kind of kept pushing me and like you were saying before kind of like having somebody else there to yeah. keep you accountable and push you to go and, and stay consistent that was big for me and now um fast forward four and a half years later i'm six to 200 pounds wow <laughs> um, solid that's solid. but uh i find myself now at the point where i kind of want to mix in some more of that endurance stuff and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about starting again. And I, I know that being at the size that I'm at right now, it's, it's a lot more difficult because I got everyone's, especially during quarantine, I, I started running some again, just like running around campus. And it's a lot more exhausting when you're 40 pounds <laughs> heavier. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know how to get quite back into it. At some point, I want to be more well-rounded. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's great to be big, but like, mm. I'm not even that big really. <laughs> and, um, I, I think for an overall, um, just health in general, being mm. more, you know, being more holistic and, and, and having a great yeah. sense of health from every, every aspect of it is probably the most beneficial thing. Yeah. And it's not like I plan on competing or anything like that. Yeah. I've thrown around the idea of like maybe doing like a physique thing, but like, that's not really realistic for me. <laughs> You don't um, think so? Why not? I feel like you could do it. Uh, if I really wanted to, I yeah. think I could too. But I've just got so much going on. I'm going to be graduating here in May and moving yeah. to um, to Nashville, actually, oh, for nice. work. So maybe at some point down the road. But you know, kind of, kind of like you, I, I have a fairly addictive personality, and I think once I start work, I'm going to yeah. be uh, very, very wrapped up with that. And yeah. just trying to explore like a new area. So maybe, maybe at some point down the road, um, I'll give it a try. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I've always wanted to get into the martial arts realm of things too. Hmm. Uh, I never have. I was very close to going to like a jujitsu gym um, and starting to get into that. I just, I didn't have the time or I guess I didn't make time yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to pay for another gym when Fair I could enough. just have the one on campus. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. What do you, what do you think would be the best way to kind of start getting back into the endurance if I'm not... Uh, not hundred percent sold on it. <laughs> yeah. You not. know, you know what? Like I like anything in life, 
you can do multiple things at one time. You just have Mm -hmm. to be very intentional about it. And so like for me, for a long time, the endurance stuff was probably like 10 or 20% of my training. So what that meant for me is say, just to make it simple, I was lifting five days a week. If I was lifting for 60 minutes, I would do 10 or 15 or 20 minutes on the bike after my workout, almost as like a mix between a cool down and a little bit of endurance stuff. Mm -hmm. And then over time I shifted and maybe I was lifting 60 minutes and doing 30 minutes on the bike. And then maybe I was lifting four days a week. And one day was like a full one and a half, two hour run or bike. Um, It was just making that shift and like kind of differentiating, all right, this is my goal right now, but I still want to do a little bit of the endurance. And so I'm going to spend most of my time in the weight room, but also make time for the endurance because you don't have to go all in on either. You can Mm -hmm. still make like as much as people will make you believe that you can't build muscle and get faster, or you can't get stronger and have better endurance. Like you can do both of them. You Mm -hmm. just have to be intentional and your progress in either of them might not be as fast as it would be if you were doing just one alone. Right. But I think they can coexist really nicely. And I've personally found benefit in my lifting from doing endurance work and big, Oh yeah. And big time, my endurance stuff from doing strength training. And as a physical therapist, I see it all the time. Runners come in with running injuries and the root of their injury is a mix of overuse. So like too much running and not enough strength. So not enough weight training. Okay. That's, that actually kind of brings up some questions. Yeah. Just as you say that too. So for me, like all I do really is, is the weights right now. Yeah. And I'm finding that, especially over the last few years, I'm a lot more sore. I was never a very flexible person in the first place, mm. but um, I found now that um, it's even worse. Hmm. Um, everything is like pretty stiff, and I'm not really one of those people that's going to go in there and like stretch too long. Yeah. I'm not very good at recovery and like you know rolling out or, or doing those kinds of things, which I need to get better at. Because yeah. if I if I want this to be a sustainable thing, you know, and that that should be, in my opinion, that should be the point of all of this, right? Yeah. You should be able to do this you know, up until, you know, you retire, or even an older age, I ideally that that yeah. would be nice, as yeah. opposed to just being a, um, a, you know, a power lifter. And then, you know, you get 30, 35, 40, and, and you can't move. That's <laughs> not what I want. So I don't know how to go about that. And for yeah. me, being like a, a physical therapist, what, what would you say? Because I'm sure a lot of people do struggle with that too, like lower mm-hmm. back pain, just as yeah. an example. And a, and a lack of, of range of mobility. That's yeah. definitely something I struggle with too. So yeah. what's a, what's a good starting point for something like that? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's, it's interesting. I think so for a long time, people thought stretching before a workout was a way to prevent injuries and kind mm-hmm. of like help with longevity. And I actually did my thesis on this in undergrad, but static stretching. So like sitting there and holding a stretch for 60 seconds or two minutes, whatever, actually doesn't decrease your injury risk. And it actually, if you hold a stretch for too long, you Mm -hmm. actually have a little bit less power right after the stretch. So it decreases Mm -hmm. your strength in the short term. So I wouldn't advise stretching right before a workout unless you have like a very specific deficit or mobility impairment that's going to stop you from doing a specific lift with good form. Okay. Um, Honestly, what I would say is, and we touched on this with like the toothbrush analogy and the consistency thing, like even if it's just one or two minutes, 
just foam roll after a workout or honestly the endurance stuff is going to make a big difference in terms of getting the blood flowing after a workout. So if you have like a 60 minute strength training session and you spend 10 minutes cooling down on the bike. And honestly, like I use that time to respond to messages, make phone calls, do Instagram stuff. If you just get the blood flowing, it helps decrease that soreness. And honestly, the mobility stuff is just going to have to come with time and consistency. So it's all about making that time and Maybe for you, you have like three minutes before you go to bed to do some stretches. Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It just yeah. has to be consistent. Okay. I'll, I'll have to start working that in. <laughs> it's, it's becoming um, a bit of an annoyance. Some mm-hmm. of the, some of the pains and, and different yeah. things like that. But um, just like anything else, like you say, staying consistent and I yeah. just got to start doing it and, yeah. and stop making excuses not to. But, <laughs> um, we got about 10 minutes or so left and I want to talk about your podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you, I think you started it roughly about the same time I started mine. Did you start like October-ish, mm-hmm. September, yeah. October time frame? Yeah. Okay. And you guys, you're putting episodes out once weekly? Yeah, that, we put an episode out every every Wednesday it drops, yeah. Okay, and it's called The Pursuit Podcast, is that correct? Yeah, The Pursuit Podcast. Um, I think you should be able to find it if you look on iTunes or Spotify, just The Pursuit, you'll probably find it, yeah. Okay. And what do you, what is your goal with that? Why, like I said, I listened to the first episode and I have a sense of what it is, but for those yeah. that haven't, what do you, what is the whole point of it? Yeah. So it's me and my buddy, Sam, uh, Sam and I grew up together in a town called Westfield, New Jersey. Um, and we're both athletes, lifelong athletes, um, and both very driven people. And I think what the common thing that we really share is just the pursuit of the best versions of ourselves. And so the podcast is really about bringing on high performers, people who really have a strong sense of who they are and where they're going and just having conversations centered around the pursuit of the best version of yourself. Um, We talk a lot about like, what success might look like to one person and what the process and the journey is like for that person. And the goal is just to add value to the listeners in terms of whether it's encouragement or gaining inspiration or or a lot of times just practical tips and practices, whether it's meditation or journaling or something along those lines about how you can improve your performance and further yourself along the journey of pursuing your best version. Okay. That sounds like a great theme. And that's kind of similar ish as far as like the mindset side of things. Mine is kind of more centered around, um, you know, speaking to a unique individual with a certain passion, right? So that could really cross kind of any realm of of life. And um, it just so happens that you, you know, me finding your podcast and finding you on Instagram, you definitely spoke to that. And that's why I wanted to have you on. Um, And definitely combining that with with fitness, something that I'm also pretty interested in was kind of like a a good mix of the two, like the passion fitness aspect. So, um, yeah, if people are interested in that, um, again, it's the pursuit. You can Mm -hmm. find that on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, really anywhere you get podcasts. Yeah. Um, And one more thing uh, I kind of want to talk about. And I think it's really important, too, especially with the year that we just went through. And, you know, who knows how long this is going to last. You mentioned um, meditation in um one of your one of your episodes i think did, yeah. did you speak to somebody specifically about that or yeah we uh yeah we did okay so maybe not just meditation but just kind of the whole mindset and because that's a part of the coaching that you do as well mm-hmm. um what what do you think that people should really be trying to prioritize when it comes to that kind of thing because i've noticed a bit of a shift mm-hmm. in the whole like I said before, like a holistic sense of health. Um, mm-hmm. 
and the mental is starting to become more and more important. And you're seeing that through these meditation apps and different things like that. Um, so for somebody that's trying to get better at that, that part of fitness, what would you recommend is a good starting point? Yeah. So on the podcast episode, and I believe I forget what number it's maybe like five or six. Um, his name is Paul. He was the one who talked to us about meditation. And, um, I think I, on the podcast alluded to the fact that I think I said, I dabble, I've dabbled in meditation and he laughed and he said, Oh, you're not, you can't dabble in meditation. Like, just like you can't dabble in fitness. Like it is a lifestyle. It's something you have to do consistently. Um, and so the way he described it to me was really interesting. And he said that when he meditates, he almost envisions himself on a boat in a river and the boat is standing still, but there are these boxes that are coming toward him down the river. And the boxes represent the different thoughts that might come into your brain while you're meditating. Hmm. And he said, it's okay to pick up a box, turn it around and look at it from different angles. But when you're done with it, put it back in the river and let it float past you. And the way he described the practice of meditation and how it relates to everyday life is just building the ability to be still and present and aware in moments of chaos or where things might be getting a little bit hectic. And so he described it as kind of your, your mind is a castle and meditation is being able to build a moat around your castle to keep out those unwanted thoughts or intruders or invaders during the day so that you can have a sense of clarity and stillness throughout your day. Um, And so the biggest piece of advice that I can give for meditation, and I am by no means an expert um, is just (laughs) And it's funny because it's the same piece of advice I gave for fitness is you have to take action. You have to do it and you have to be consistent with it. And I think the quote that probably helps me the most with that is a river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. And so meditation to me is being persistent in just trying to be present. And it might only be two minutes every morning, but just doing it every day, you'll notice you'll start to get better and you'll probably actually want to spend more time on it as you get better at it. So for me, I literally only spend five minutes every morning, but it's a great way to be present and start the day for me. Absolutely. I found myself kind of dabbling with it like (laughs) a few times. Um, And then, you know, when the semester started, I stopped. It's like, oh, I don't have time. I'd rather sleep those extra mm-hmm. five minutes when in reality, it'd probably do me better to actually like do something yeah. like that. Cause I found that when I was doing it, you know, doing it for, you know, even just a few weeks in a row being consistent mm-hmm. with it, you do start to notice, you know, kind of a reduction, I feel like in anxiety and just kind of, it's nice to have that little bit of time to yourself where yeah. you're not so absorbed with everything else that's going on. Like, yeah. especially with the phone, right? That's, yeah. that's a big thing. And that's part of why I got into it is because, you know, I was at the point where I roll over, grab the phone before I even get out of bed. I'm going through, you know, all the notifications, get onto like Instagram or, or, you know, Snapchat, respond to emails, just everything like that. And it's like, I haven't even gotten out of bed yet. Yeah. And, um, and so what I would do is I would set my alarm, turn that off. I'd literally just reach over and press, you know, turn it off uh-huh. and then try and make a point to not even look at the phone for the first, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes while I was awake. And that was really nice. Yeah. It really, it really was. It was a refreshing, good way to start the day. And you don't start off with whatever you know crazy notification, or if you have like a, you know, an email from work that's you know something negative. That's not how you start your day. Because yeah. if you start your day by looking at something like that, it's just going to snowball for the yeah. rest of the day. And it's not a good way to start. But I need to get back on that, yeah. on that, on that path because it makes a big difference. 
Big time. Yeah, for me, I think it was, so I do the same thing. I, I turn off my alarm and then I put the phone in a separate room while mm -hmm. I, I drink my coffee and I do my meditation and I do some reading. And for me, it was almost like, I, the reason I was checking my phone, to be honest, for a long time, first thing, like if I woke up at three, I would wake up and feel this urge to post on my Instagram story. So people knew I was up at three. And now yeah. like people still know that about me, but like whether or not I post something at three, three thirty-four, or I don't even post something like who cares like that the morning is my time to control my thoughts and set the tone for the day. And just like you said, like if you're checking your phone first thing in the morning, you're letting the world control you. Yeah. So like by starting the morning without your phone, it's you controlling your day and it sets mm -hmm. the tone for the rest of it. One more thing. We're, we're yeah. getting close here. Um, when you wake up that early, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock. What is it? I'm trying to I'm trying to word this correctly. But when I was doing it, I found that there's a, a unique kind of feeling that you get in knowing that most people are asleep. But it's also kind of nice because especially that window from like three to four, like maybe five, people yeah. are starting to wake up at five ish. But you know that the rest of the world or at least, you know, your time zone, I guess, is asleep yeah. and it's it's a weird feeling and i don't really know how to describe it but there's something kind of nice about it yeah. and it's kind of, it's but it's also kind of like haunting mm -hmm. but not in a bad sense and I, and I don't know how to describe it but i get the sense that you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. yeah it's like it's there's nothing going on there's no notifications um yeah. and it's just a very peaceful but kind of I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Can you describe it better than I'm trying to? It, it's hard, honestly. You know what honestly, I'm saying, though. I know exactly what you're saying. And I think to fully understand what you're saying, someone would actually have to do that and, yeah. and be up at that time to experience it. Because you're right. It's, it's unlike anything else. Because, you know, if you're up at, you know, 11, 12, even one in the morning, like other people are awake. There are things yeah. going on. There are things happening. But like the world, and obviously there are different time zones, but mm -hmm. like your world from three to five in the morning is quiet. And you're right. It's eerie. It could be a little bit haunting, not in a bad way, but it's just that stillness. And the fact that like you can focus on whatever it is you want to focus. Mm -hmm. And it's like this sense of being alone with yourself, but it, not in a bad way, because you know, in a couple hours, there are going to be other people joining you in this, right. in this, this day. Um, yeah, it's hard to describe. I would, if you're trying, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not sure what we're talking about, set your alarm for four o'clock one day this week, get up and just experience yeah. the stillness. I gotta, I gotta get better at that too. But <laughs> like I said, the few times that I've done it, I'm like, wow, like I can be very productive in yeah. this time. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice. But listen, man, it's 10 o'clock. We did pretty good, right? Right about yeah, an hour. Right on time. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to hold you up because I know, like I said, you're crazy busy, dude. <laughs> Um, but I really appreciate you coming on. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and, and kind of picking your brain. And, and I really appreciate you sharing your story. That above everything else is um, uh, very insightful. And I think it can, you know, put things in perspective for a lot of people that um, really don't have, you know, anything close to what it is that you've had to deal with. And uh, hopefully it can kick some people in the ass and, and get them going. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and Hey Pete, not to ruin the flow. I know I said I had to be done right around this time, but I, if you have a couple more minutes, I, I just want to share one more story. Absolutely. Quick. 
Okay. I, cool. I have all the time in the world. Like I said, I, I literally have nothing going on right now. I'm just waiting for the semester to start like in two weeks. So cool, absolutely, man. man. I'll stay on as, as long as you want to go. Yeah. This will just take two or three minutes, but it's a story that, um, cause on what you just said, it jogged, sparked my, my memory, but, um, it's a story I first heard when I was in middle school at an assembly. And I don't remember who the speaker was and I don't remember what the rest of the talk was on, but I remember this story and it forever changed my life and the way I look at the world. And you asked about my positivity and, mm -hmm. um, this is something that really also drives my positivity is so it's a true story. Uh, I don't know the details, but I, I know the general story. Um, there was a man who committed suicide by jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge some number of years ago. Mm -hmm. And when the, the police did the investigation, they found a note on his nightstand table. And the note read something to the effect of, tomorrow morning, I'm going to walk one mile at rush hour to the Golden Gate Bridge and take my life. If one person smiles at me, I won't do it. And I get the chills every time I tell that story, every time I hear that story, or even think about it, because this person walked past probably thousands of people on their way to work. And the whole time he was feeling so alone and so dark and so hopeless that he was on his way to take his life and not one person flashed him a smile. And so while I have never been in that exact position, I know what it feels like to struggle. And I also understand that no matter what it looks like on the outside, everybody at various points in their life is struggling with something. So I personally never want to be the person that walks past another person and doesn't give them that smile. And obviously it's hard with the mask and everything, but your, our attitudes are contagious. And I think that if I could positively impact one person, especially a person who feels that dark or that hopeless, like mm -hmm. I want them to know that they're not alone, that it does get better and that there are people who care about them, myself included, even if we've never met. So if you're listening to this podcast, um, I would love to connect with anybody listening. I promise I'll respond. I, res I respond hey, to everybody. It's a fault of it. It's not a fault, but you know, I, I do. I'm a sucker for, for anybody who reaches out. So I will respond and you're not alone. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to share. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That I've, I haven't heard that before, but that yeah. even you just saying that I was like, wow, that's, yeah. and it's crazy how something, you know, that small, even, even if you're not expecting it, even if it's somebody you don't know how that mm -hmm. can really, you know, change things and it makes a difference. Yeah. Um, I guess I got to get better at smiling at people because I'm not, <laughs> that. you know, it's a habit once you do it enough and with a mask, like you get some weird looks because people can't tell if you're smiling and they just think you're staring at them, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. I I'll try and make a point to be better at that. Cause I'm one of those people that'll just walk with my headphones in and just like, I'm just in my own head, just thinking and listening yeah, to my music. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it, it is wild, especially, you know, with the year that we've gone through, uh, our tensions, you know, are high, yeah. people are stressed. And you, you, like you said, you never know what somebody's going through. Yeah. Um, and, and chances are they are going through something. So it's a, it's a good way to end the episode. It's a good thing to, uh, to keep in mind. And um, I want to just thank you again, like I said, for coming on, uh, especially for sharing that story. I'm, I'm glad you, yeah. you brought that up. It's, it's a really good thing to, to think about and keep in mind. But um, where can people find you, man? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have a newsletter. I have a blog. I have a podcast. I do coaching. I have a lot going on, mm -hmm. but the best place to connect with me and to find all of that other stuff is on Instagram. So yep. the Instagram is joerinaldi.dpt. The DPT stands for doctor of physical therapy. And again, find me, send me a message. I'd, I'd love to connect. And Pete, thank you so much for having me on, man. 
Absolutely, man. I, I really appreciate it. And I, I know we're having some some difficulties with uh, scheduling things, but that's more my fault uh, just because I'm stubborn <laughs> and I don't <laughs> have good, a, a very productive schedule right now. But um, yeah, man, uh, it was great talking to you. Hopefully we can stay in touch some. I, I, I really did enjoy our conversation and um, I'll try and plug your, your podcast as much as I can. <laughs> I'll, I'm definitely I'm going to take a look at some of the other episodes for sure. Cool, man. But, yeah, um, I would love to stay in touch as well. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, it was a great conversation with Dr. Joe. Um, and we will uh, be back next week. This is uh, this one's for you. If you guys um, like what we're putting out there, I ask that you leave a review. Um, you know, Tell a friend about it. Share it on your story. It really makes a big difference. Any kind of support that you can give us. But um, yeah, until next time, guys. Take care.